Letter forty one of Clarissa, volume one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philippa. Clarissa Harlowe, or The History of a Young Lady, volume one, by Samuel Richardson. Letter forty one. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Howe. Tuesday, March twenty first. How willingly would my dear mother show kindness to me were she permitted! None of this persecution should I labour under, I am sure, if that regard were paid to her prudence and fine understanding which they so well deserve. Whether owing to her, or to my aunt, or to both, that a new trial was to be made upon me, I cannot tell. But this morning her shorey delivered into my hand the following condescending letter. My dear girl, for so I must still call you, since dear you may be to me in every sense of the word, we have taken into particular consideration some hints that fell yesterday from your good Norton, as if we had not, at Mr. Soames's first application, treated you with that condescension wherewith we have, in all other instances, treated you. If it even had been so, my dear, you were not excusable to be wanting in your part, and to set yourself to oppose your father's will in a point which he had entered too far to recede with honour. But all yet may be well. On your single will, my child, depends all our happiness. Your father permits me to tell you that if you now at last comply with his expectations, all past disobligations shall be buried in oblivion as if they had never been. But withal, that this is the last time that that grace will be offered you. I hinted to you, you must remember, that passons of the richest silks were sent for. They are come. And as they are come, your father, to show how much he is determined, will have me send them up to you. I could have wished they might not have accompanied this letter, but there is not great matter in that. I must tell you that your delicacy is not quite so much regarded as I had once thought it deserved to be. These are the newest, as well as the richest, that we could procure, answerable to our situation in the world, answerable to the fortune, additional to your grandfather's estate, designed you, and to the noble settlements agreed upon. Your father intends you six suits, three of them dressed suits, at his own expense, you have an entire new suit, and one besides, which I think you never wore but twice. As the new suit is rich, if you choose to make that one of the six, your father will present you with an hundred guineas in lieu. Mr. Solmes intends to present you with a set of jewels. As you have your grandmother's and your own, if you choose to have the former new set, and to make them serve, his present will be made in money, a very round sum, which will be given in full property to yourself besides a fine annual allowance for pin-money, as it is called, so that your objection against the spirit of a man you think worse of than it deserves will have no weight, but you will be more independent than a wife of less discretion than we attribute to you perhaps ought to be. You know full well that I, who first and last brought a still larger fortune into the family than you will carry to Mr. Solmes, had not a possession made me of near this that we have made for you, where people marry to their liking, terms are the least things stood upon. Yet should I be sorry, if you cannot, to oblige us all, overcome a dislike. Wonder not, Clary, that I write to you thus plainly and freely upon this subject. 
Your behaviour hitherto has been such that we have had no opportunity of entering minutely into the subject with you. Yet, after all that has passed between you and me in conversation, and between you and your uncles by letter, you have no room to doubt what is to be the consequence. Either, child, we must give up our authority, or you your humour. You cannot expect the one. We have all the reason in the world to expect the other. You know I have told you more than once that you must resolve to have Mr. Solmes, or never to be looked upon as our child. The draft of the settlement you may see whenever you will. We think there can be no room for objection to any of the articles. There is still more in them in our family's favour than was stipulated at first when your aunt talked of them to you, more so, indeed, than we could have asked. If, upon perusal of them, you think any alteration necessary, it shall be made. Do, my dear girl, send to me within this day or two, or rather ask me for the perusal of them. As a certain person's appearance at church so lately, and what he gives out everywhere, makes us extremely uneasy, and as that uneasiness will continue while you are single, you must not wonder that a short day is intended. This day fortnight we design it to be, if you have no objection to make that I shall approve of. But if you determine as we would have you, and signify it to us, we shall not stand with you for a week or so. Your sight-lines of person may perhaps make some think this alliance disparaging. But I hope you will not put such a personal value upon yourself. If you do, it will indeed be the less wonder that person should weigh with you, however weak the consideration, in another man. Thus we parents in justice ought to judge, that our two daughters are equally dear and valuable to us. If so, why should Clarissa think that a disparagement, which Arabella would not, nor we for her, have thought any, had the address been made to her? You will know what I mean by this, without my explaining myself farther. Signify to us now, therefore, your compliance with our wishes, and then there is an end of your confinement. An act of oblivion, as I may call it, shall pass upon all your former refractoriness, and you will once more make us happy in you and in one another. You may, in this case, directly come down to your father and me in his study, where we will give you our opinions of the patterns, with our hearty forgiveness and blessings. Come, be a good child, as you used to be, my Clarissa. I have, notwithstanding your past behaviour, and the hopelessness which some have expressed in your compliance, undertaken this one time more for you. Discredit not my hopes, my dear girl. I have promised never more to interfere between your father and you, if this my most earnest application succeed not. I expect you down, love. Your father expects you down. But be sure don't let him see anything uncheerful in your compliance. If you come, I will clasp you to my fond heart with as much pleasure as ever I pressed you to it in my whole life. You don't know what I have suffered within these few weeks past nor ever will be able to guess till you come to be in my situation, which is that of a fond and indulgent mother praying night and day, and struggling to preserve against the attempts of more ungovernable spirits the peace and union of her family. But you know the terms. Come not near us if you have resolved to be undutiful. But this, after what I have written, I hope you cannot be. 
if you come directly and as i have said cheerfully as if your heart were in your duty and you told me it was free you know i shall then as i said give you the most tender proofs how much i am your truly affectionate mother think for me my dearest friend how i must be affected by this letter the contents of it is so surprisingly terrifying yet so sweetly urged oh why cried i to myself am i obliged to undergo this severe conflict between a command that i cannot obey and language so condescendingly moving could i have been sure of being struck dead at the altar before the ceremony had given the man i hate a title to my vows i think i could have submitted to having been led to it but to think of living with and living for a man one abhors what a sad thing is that and then how could the glare of habit and ornament be supposed any inducement to one who has always held that the principal view of a good wife in the adorning of her person ought to be to preserve the affection of her husband and to do credit to his choice and that she should be even fearful of attracting the eyes of others in this view must not the very richness of the patterns add to my disgusts great encouragement indeed to think of adorning oneself to be the wife of mr solmes upon the whole it was not possible for me to go down upon the prescribed condition do you think it was and to write if my letter would have been read what could i write that would be admitted and after what i had written and said to so little effect i walked backward and forward i threw down with disdain the patterns now to my closet retired i then quitting it threw myself upon the settee then upon this chair then upon that then into one window and then into another i knew not what to do and while i was in this suspense having again taken up the letter to re-peruse it betty came in reminding me by order that my papa and mamma waited for me in my father's study tell my mamma said i that i beg the favour of seeing her here for one moment or to permit me to attend her anywhere by herself i listened at the stairs head you see my dear how it is cried my father very angrily all your condescension as your indulgence heretofore is thrown away you blame your son's violence as you call it i had some pleasure in hearing this but nothing else will do with her you shall not see her alone is my presence an exception to the bold creature tell her said my mother to betty she knows upon what terms she may come down to us nor will i see her upon any other the maid brought me this answer i had recourse to my pen and ink but i trembled so that i could not write nor knew what to say had i steadier fingers at last betty brought me these lines from my father undutiful and perverse clarissa no condescension i see will move you your mother shall not see you nor will i prepare however to obey you know our pleasure your uncle antony your brother and your sisters and your favourite mrs norton shall see the ceremony performed privately at your uncle's chapel and when mr solmes can introduce you to us in the temper we wish to behold you in we may perhaps forgive his wife although we never can in any other character our perverse daughter 
as it will be so privately performed, clothes and equipage may be provided for afterwards. So prepare to go to your uncle's for an early day in next week. We will not see you till all is over, and we will have it over the sooner in order to shorten the time of your deserved confinement, and our own trouble in contending with such a rebel as you have been of late. I will hear no pleas, I will receive no letter nor expostulation, nor shall you hear from me any more till you have changed your name to my liking. This from your incensed father. If this resolution be adhered to, then will my father never see me more, for I will never be the wife of that Solmes. I will die first. Tuesday evening. He, this Solmes, came hither soon after I had received my father's letter. He sent up to beg leave to wait upon me. I wonder at his assurance. I said to Betty, who brought me this message, let him restore an unhappy creature to her father and mother, and then I may hear what he has to say. But if my friends will not see me upon his account, I will not see him upon his own. I hope, miss, said Betty, you will not send me down with this answer. He is with your papa and mamma. I am driven to despair, said I. I cannot be used worse. I will not see him. Down she went with my answer. She pretended, it seems, to be loath to repeat it, so was commanded out of her affected reserves, and gave it in its full force. Oh, how I heard my father storm! They were all together, it seems, in his study. My brother was for having me turned out of the house that moment, to Lovelace and my evil destiny. My mother was pleased to put in a gentle word for me. I know not what it was, but thus she was answered. My dear, this is the most provoking thing in the world in a woman of your good sense, to love a rebel as well as if she were dutiful. What encouragement for duty is this? Have I not loved her as well as ever you did? And why am I changed? Would to the Lord your sex knew how to distinguish. It is plain that she relies upon her power over you. The fond mother ever made a hardened child." She was pleased, however, to blame Betty, as the wench owned, for giving my answer its full force, but my father praised her for it. The wench says that he would have come up in his wrath at my refusing to see Mr. Solmes, had not my brother and sister prevailed upon him to the contrary. I wish he had, and were it not for his own sake that he had killed me. Mr. Solmes condescended, I am mightily obliged to him truly, to plead for me. They're all in tumults. How it will end, I know not. I am quite weary of life. So happy till within these few weeks. So miserable now. Well, indeed, might my mother say that I should have severe trials. P.S. The idiot, such a one am I treated like, is begged, as I may say, by my brother and sister. They have desired that I may be consigned over entirely to their management. If it be granted, it is granted on my father's part, I understand, but not yet on my mother's, what cruelty may I not expect from their envy, jealousy, and ill-will? I shall soon see by its effects if I am to be so consigned. This is a written intimation, privately dropped in my Woodhouse walk, by my cousin Dolly Harvey. 
The dear girl longs to see me, she tells me, but is forbidden till she sees me as Mrs. Solmes, or as consenting to be his. I will take example by their perseverance. Indeed I will. End of letter 41